Hello and welcome to another edition of Christian Deep Dive. Today, we're going to talk about what repentance means. A word that is often misunderstood, a word that people <clears throat> don't like to hear. It goes against the natural man completely, just hearing the word repentance. We're kind of repulsed by it, eh? Because sometimes we're not really sure what it means, and sometimes we do know what it means, and we just don't want to do it because we're thinking of it along the wrong way. If we understand it the correct way, <clears throat> then it's a word that we will heartily endorse. So why is it misunderstood? Well, <clears throat> I know for myself and for a lot of people, uh, when I first heard the word, when I first was trying to understand some of these things, I thought that it meant, you know, there's one or two things in your life that you're struggling with, you're fighting you're dealing with something in your life and people say you confess it to somebody or you share it with somebody you confide in somebody and they say oh you need to repent of that you need to stop doing that you need to uh, you can't be doing that anymore and so you would start thinking that's what repentance involves getting rid of one or two particular strong things in your life sins in your life that you know you shouldn't be doing but you got to turn it around and so you think that that's what repentance is and of course, that's an important aspect of your Christian walk, but as I'll get to in a moment, that belongs in a totally different category. Repentance, total repentance, what Christ was meaning when he talked about it several times in the scripture, and what Peter's talking about in the second chapter of Acts, where he is preaching his first major sermon after Pentecost, and this is where so many people were converted in that one day. But let me just read part of it, and I'll get to... Uh, what I'm talking about. I'm going to start with verse 36 out of Acts chapter 2. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what do we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and your children and to those who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of doctrine in that one, just those, those few sentences I read, but we're going to stick to what it is that repentance means. And so when I heard this, Peter said, repent and let every one of you be baptized. So let's look at the big picture here. This crowd of people that he's talking to, uh, they're the same ones uh, not too long before that that were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, being whipped up by the priests and the Sadducees and the Pharisees and all of them. And now, all of a sudden, uh, people see this marvelous thing going on at Pentecost. They wonder what's happening. All these people gather around Peter as he's preaching, and he basically gives them the basic gospel message, unwatered down straight to the heart, exactly what, you know, talking about Jesus crucified for your sins. And basically, you're, you're the ones that, I have to mind, you're the ones that put him to death. And he is the one that God has called. He is the Savior. And they're just, you know, the Holy Spirit just smites them. And they say, well, what do we do? And he says, repent. So what's he talking about? Well, remember the Jews, the cross was a stumbling block to the Greeks or Gentiles. It's foolishness. For these guys now, all of a sudden, they understand the cross basically based on the sermon. And he, when he says repent, it means you need to totally 
change your mind on what you believe. In other words, you thought that the way of salvation that still was to follow all these ordinances, to follow all the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees were teaching you and telling you to do. And we're saying, no, Jesus is the Messiah, and he's the one. You can only be saved by believing in him. You need to have a total change of mind. You need to, it's like you're walking north, and you've got to turn around and go completely in the other 180 opposite direction. You need a total change of mind on what it is that you believe. And now for the Greeks or Gentiles, it's the same thing. They were not depending on all the things that the Pharisees and Sadducees would say, but they had their philosophers, they had their many gods, they had all these different things that they thought was the way. They thought this, the idea of a man being killed on a cross, was foolishness. So for them, repentance means you got to totally forget about all this stuff that you, the way you were raised, the way you were taught, all of that is wrong. You need to think completely different. You need to repent of the path you're on as far as what you think the way to God is and follow this path. That's what repentance really means. It's a whole change of heart, change of mind. Um, for modern man today, if you're someone that's an atheist or agnostic, it's to come to terms of the Holy Spirit smites you when you hear a sermon like this about the cross, about the crucifixion, about the resurrection, and you realize it's true, and you are the one that says, well, what do I do? Well, you totally turn from the way you've been walking, and you say, no, I need to follow this Jesus. I need to I need to receive him as my savior. I need to understand. I need to, I want to follow him. That's a total change. And you might be caught up in some religious system. You might be caught into a religious system of do's and don'ts uh, and that type of thing. And you think that's what saves you. Uh, again, I, I mentioned earlier, people that are strongly under legalism, when they hear the word repentance, they think it means, oh, I just got to change this and that about myself. And some of these other things that are bad, well, uh, you know, as long as I change the major things in my life, these are okay. Um, no, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is realizing that you want to follow Christ, that you want to be his, that you want to be his totally without reservation. You see, why is salvation, why is repentance even essential? Here's one answer. Let me ask you, why did God ever send this great salvation into the world? Why did the Son of God come and live and die and rise again? In other words, what is the object of salvation? A lot of people never even think about that. The answer is not merely so that our sins might be forgiven. That's important. That's included. But that's not the ultimate object. In fact, it's not even the main object. No, the ultimate object of salvation is to deliver us from our sins. Paul said to Titus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem or deliver us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. The main object of salvation, and get this because this is really cool, the production of a new race of people, God's people, a new kingdom. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of glory, the kingdom of God and of his dear son. He says in Mark 1, we're given a summary of our Lord's preaching, quote, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, unquote. It is a kingdom of righteousness, a kingdom of holiness. This is the object of our Lord's coming to this world. And this alone is sufficient reason to answer the question of why 
repentance is necessary. Now, I'd like you to say that to sink in. Those who have heard um, other of my podcasts and that we talk about the doctrine of predestination and election. Those that are called, even the end of this sermon where Peter is preaching, he says, all those that the Lord, the Lord our God will call. <clears throat> when God calls you, when you see your need for repentance, to change your mind, to follow the path of Christ, you become part of this new race of people. And I, I find that, that very exciting. You all of a sudden are part of the kingdom of God. You're part of his called people. And now you're thinking differently because you're not being saved by some other method or some other ism or schism that's out there. You're being saved by the Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sin. And so because of that, you are part of a brand new race, a new race of people that is going to live forever, worshiping, serving, and enjoying him forever. Something I didn't know before, that the word, our word repentance comes from the Latin, which means think again. And to me, again, that kind of describes what I was just saying. It's a very simple but profound step to take. You have your scheme of things. You have your philosophy of life. You may say you've got it all worked out. You think of yourself as an intelligent person, up to date, and you're reading. You're well aware of modern theories. You know all about Hinduism, Confucianism, all these other religions. You know all the arguments that can be brought against Christianity, but you've decided that there is no God, there is no salvation other than the way of Jesus Christ. And that's where you have totally gone 180, you've totally changed your mind, and the Holy Spirit has smitten you. And that's what repentance is, is going in a totally different direction. Now, once this has happened to you, once you have had this change of mind and you realize that Christ is the only way and you want to embrace him fully as your Lord and Savior, that is when you become justified. There's three steps that a Christian goes through um, on his path. And justification is one. Sanctification is the second. Glorification is the third. Now, glorification is not going to happen until we enter into our heavenly home. That's when we will have new resurrected bodies. That's when we will be no longer uh, tempted or tormented by sin or anything else in our life. Uh, justification is the first step. So let me go back. Once we realize that, no, I can't do anything. I cannot do a thing to save myself. Jesus has died for my sins. He is my Lord and Savior. He was crucified for me personally. I'm one of his elect people. Um, that's justification. That's where you are declared legally not guilty. Why? Because Christ took the guilt of your sins on the cross, and we get to wear his righteousness. Some theologians have called it the divine exchange. Um, so here we are wearing the robes of righteousness because Christ took our sins upon him and was killed for it. So that's justification. We are declared not guilty. Our, our sins have been forgiven. So now we start the path of salvation, of sanctification. And so that's where all of a sudden, right in the very beginning of this podcast, when I talked about, uh, I got to give up this, I got to stop this, I got to stop doing this. Now, it's not so much a legalistic issue, which it was before. It's more, you want to be more like Christ. You, are, you get filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to walk like him, but there's a problem. This body that we're living in still wants to do things that aren't right. And so all of a sudden you're trapped in Romans chapter 7, where Paul himself, the great apostle Paul, was saying, 
I want to do this, but my body wants to do that. I, you know, I, I feel this urge here, but I know I want to do this. And he graduates to Romans chapter eight, where he says, thank God that I have a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. What does this all mean? It means that while we're on this earth, walking the path of sanctification, we may still struggle with certain things. Paul asked, nobody knows what his thorn in the flesh was. Was it some kind of physical ailment? Was it something he was struggling with, temptations? We don't really know. But he said, many times I asked Jesus to take it from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient. So when you become a Christian, you may be delivered from various many things. It's very possible uh, he can do what he wants. God is divine. He can deliver you from things. But you may still struggle with some other things. And those are the kind of things that as you walk the path of sanctification, that's where you have to it's no longer, oh, gee, I got to give this stuff up. It's, wow, because I am following my Lord, I don't want this in my life anymore. I don't want to be tempted by this. It's a totally different way of looking at things. And there comes, again, there's that change of mind thing coming in there. It's overall arching thing of how you believe about your salvation, but it does trickle down then to every little thing in your life. How now, instead of having to legally give things up, you want to because you want to follow the Lord. So it's a totally different thing. And there's many things that as you walk the path of sanctification, uh, you will gradually get delivered from some stuff you may not till you, you, you may struggle with some stuff for the rest of your life until you get glorified. Everybody's different. Every situation's different. I know people that struggled with alcohol that were immediately delivered from that. And I know other people that struggled with alcohol that for the rest of their life, they just, they struggled with it. They didn't always give into it. They didn't, but they just said, boy, I still, I'm still drawn to that. Whereas other people were delivered from it and they weren't drawn to it at all uh, anymore. And you can say the same thing about any other addiction or problem or this or that. But see, it's a totally different attitude now that you have received Christ, the repentance. You have a different way of thinking about your salvation, change of mind again. And that trickles down to these individual things that now it's, you're walking the path of sanctification day by day, every day until the day we get glorified. Some things you will get delivered from on this earth and some things you're going to continue to struggle. But like Paul, the Lord is saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to walk through this. We're going to, you know, he's going to help you. He's going to, it's, it's how many people have a testimony of because they were still struggling, they were able to minister and help others. How many people were delivered from things and they were able to minister and to help others? So the Lord has reasons for everything he does. And we got to try to stop figuring out why it is. I used to wonder back in the book of Acts when you read that Peter and James were arrested right around the same time. And uh, what happens? James gets beheaded and Peter, uh, he's, you know, angel shows up and lets him out. So one guy, two apostles, one guy gets delivered, one guy doesn't. And I used to say, wow, you know, if, if I was thinking at it from human terms, I would think that uh, God liked Peter more than he liked James. And somebody corrected me once and said, really? I would say that he liked James better. And I said, why? They said, because he got to immediately go to glory and be with the Lord in heaven. And Peter had to suffer another 30 or 40 years on this earth for the gospel. So uh, you better watch how you're thinking about that. The point is, God's ways are not our ways, and he has a reason for doing everything. Some of us will serve God in our suffering and in our death, and others will serve him in various other ways. 
We don't know. We just we just don't know. So anyway, the point is repentance, a total change of mind, a total change of way of thinking. So there it is, changing your mind, acknowledging and confessing that you have been wrong. But still, is that completely what makes you a Christian? Well, no, that's part of it. But again, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Calling upon the name of the Lord. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? That's Romans chapter 10. So in summary, having considered your life and your experience, and you see yourself becoming old and decrepit as I age, uh, that's, those are my words, and dying, your body is going to be buried in a grave, and your soul is going, well, where? Well, you don't know. You know, you can't be very proud of your past. You know in your heart of hearts that you are not what you were meant to be, that you're a failure, that you fall into sins, that you can do nothing about your past, and you know that making resolutions, like a lot of people do on New Year's, is of no value. How many of us have done that on New Year's Eve made a resolution. We've never kept it because it was so legalistic in style. And you know it's going to be the same in the future as more near New Year's come. So you consider all of this, no matter what background you have, and you know there's, there's only one thing that you can do, and that is to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and cry out to him, just like those guys told Peter. What do we do? We're cut to the quick. What do we do? Well, hopefully after listening to this, you understand that you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you have a total change of mind. And this leads you to the path of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So one more scripture to close on, Romans 10, verses 8 to 10. But wait, what sayeth this message? The word is nigh even to thee, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and should believe in their heart, your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So what this really means here in summary is, this means you can't confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth unless you understand something of the doctrine and truth about him. You have not just made a decision from the will, nor only responded, you have nor only responded with your heart. You don't merely say that Christianity is wonderful and you want to show that. No, you must have understanding when you confess with your mouth. You know, I used to get confused by that scripture. So anybody could say that. No, you've got to mean it. You've got to mean it. You've got to understand it. So it doesn't mean you get up and say like a parrot, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. No, confessing him with the mouth means you are able to give a reason for the hope that is in you, that you are able to give other people of an account why you are a Christian. As we've seen, the mind, the heart, the will, they're all involved. You're a new being, and your whole personality is showing this change. So when you say you confess the Lord Jesus Christ with your mouth, when you say that, you, somebody says, well, what do you mean by that? You can explain it. You don't just say it. You can explain it. Say, hey, I used to believe in this. I used to think this way. I used to think that way. But I came to realize that Jesus was crucified for me. And so now I can confess he is the only way to salvation. You've got something to back it up. You don't just, I've heard people that just parrot that. They have no idea what they're saying because they think that buys them fire insurance. They think that's the reason that you ask call it kind of price is simply, simply, simply that you don't go to hell. Well, that's great that we don't go to hell, but that's not the reason, again, as I said earlier in the podcast, why Jesus came to save us. He came to save us 
the call us to be a totally new race of people that will be with him and serve him forever. And so he does that. And then we start this sanctification process, which puts us through the burner to try to burn away all the dross of our sin and our ways and to change us. For as long as we live, we might live a couple of days. We might live years and years and years. But through that process, we are we are going through sanctification, which is where God is changing us and the Holy Spirit is filling us, making us hate our very little individual sins and uh, look at the big picture. So we just look for that day that we're glorified and we're with him forever. Well, thank you for listening to this edition of Christian Deep Dive. I hope it gave you a different perspective on the word, uh, what repentance really means, what it really is. And I just uh, look forward to seeing all of you in glory someday. God bless.